Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Thank you so much for being here at City of Life today on Palm Sunday. Welcome those that are watching online on YouTube and on col.tv. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for being a part of this. We believe here that God has you're in the right place at the right time. And even if you're watching online, the same miracle power that is here in this room because of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you as well. So uh, we're believing that God is going to do great things today. I'm honored uh, to be able to continue in this series that we've been doing called When Kingdoms Collide. And uh, this whole series has been um, kind of bringing to the surface the idea that God's way and culture's way are in complete opposition towards one another. Uh, in the world, people jockey for position and they try to make themselves first. But and the Bible says, it says that the first will be what? The first will be last and the last shall be, shall be first. So it's really, culture is an upside down kingdom. It's really broken. And Jesus came to challenge that culture, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, when he told us all about God's culture being about our hearts. And it's our responsibility as Christians, people that have been redeemed, to take the words of Jesus very seriously. And what's happened is the reason it's called When Kingdoms Collide, and we planned this message back in November on our staff retreat, you look at all the events of our world, and we're coming to a point where it's no longer an option just to have our culture kind of running alongside of the world's culture, but we're coming to a point where we have to stand for what is right. We have to be reminded and remind others of what it is that we believe. It's more important than ever for us to raise our children in a way that reflects godly principles and godly standards, to say what is right and what is wrong. And we're not making this stuff up. We're living for the culture that Jesus died for. He preached kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe today that God's way is so much more powerful, so much more beautiful. It's the only thing that can give me sanity in a broken world that is hurting so much. I just read yesterday, I had the privilege and honor of reading my mom's first book that she just wrote. I got the first copy of it. She wrote this book and gave me the first copy, signed copy, and it's called Broken Child, Broken Girl, Broken Woman. And it is probably the most unbelievable book I've ever read in my life. I, this has nothing to do with her being my mom. I was. I was wrecked reading this book. It is her story of growing up. Uh, she describes some of the abuse that she went through as a child, uh, emotional, physical, sexual abuse that she grew up in, in, in very graphic detail. And uh, to hear the narrative side of it is, is shaking to be her son, you know, to, to know the things that she went through. But then brings a, a clinical psychology, her PhD is in psychology, so she brings a clinical aspect to it. Then she brings a biblical encouraging aspect to it. But as I look at the world, I look at the evil that is in the world. 
and I look at the difficult things that people go through, the only thing that can really give me comfort in all of that is to know that it's possible, no matter what it is that you're going through, to have some kingdom in the middle of your situation. As a matter of fact, in her book, I don't want to give away too much of her book, but in her book, she talks about being a little girl and being in a home with all these terrible things that are happening to her and Jesus being the only thing that she had knowing that there was a different life that was out there that in the middle of her broken situation she could turn to God and the kingdom could be with her wherever she is so as we're talking about this I'm saying that our world is broken I know that there are people in this room who have been through unimaginable things but first of all I want to tell you if you're here today there's hope for you if you're here today God loves you he cares for you he cares for your situation and my purpose and my goal in teaching this whole series has been to get us excited that God's way is alive and well, that the kingdom is here in the middle of us, that there's purpose for this story. You know, when it comes to Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, it fits in this so majestically. And next week, as we talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that said he was going to be killed and crucified and said he was gonna rise again, he did something that no other religious leader ever could possibly claim or couldn't, even if they claimed it, they could never pull it off. He actually did it. So today we get the opportunity to continue forward in this story of uh, when, ki when kingdoms collide. And I'm just going to pray and get right into my message today. All right. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, uh, your faithfulness. Thank you for all these amazing people that are here today that we're lifting their hands and worshiping and we're singing all hail King Jesus. But we're about to read about your triumphal entry and about what that means for you to be king. So I pray today there would be an anointing on this message. Uh, God, give people an encouragement to hear it and to apply it to their lives and give us the boldness and the faith and the convictions, Lord, to live this out in everything we do. And uh, we thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. In this series, When Kingdoms Collide, uh, we've been kind of basing it on Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is God's kingdom. God's kingdom is his way of doing things. God's kingdom are the principles of God's word that we live out in our lives every day. We're building a kingdom all around us, expanding God's territory. When we live out the mission for our life, we become emissaries of God, almost like a franchise. We take a franchise. You've ever been to an original restaurant that you liked a lot and they opened up a franchise? Isn't it great when you love the original? You say, oh, this is so great. I just wish there was one closer to my house. And isn't it wonderful when they build something that's closer to you and you're able to walk in that other franchise and experience the same thing as the home base, the same kind of music plays, the same clothes, the same food, and it tastes just as good as it does there. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing with God's ways is taking his ways and spreading them to our communities, living out the ways of heaven in our home, in our job, in our work so that people can see God. God's kingdom, and a kingdom is not a democracy. A kingdom is a monarchy. See, we live in a world that tells us that we take a vote on everything. Jesus doesn't, oh, this is going to hurt someone's feelings, but look at someone and say, Jesus is not asking for your vote. <laughs> we don't really like hearing that, do we? He's not really interested in what we think about his word. He's interested in whether we execute and live his word. 
and whether we demonstrate his word or whether his word is transformative in our lives. So as we kind of are landing this series on when kingdoms collide and what it really is supposed to be, it's about God's kingdom permeating into the culture through us, us clearly communicating to people who it is that we are. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. It's important for us to know that, yes, we do business with people. We have relationships with people that are not saved. Uh, we're certainly supposed to be kind, to show them honor, to dignity, respect. But we're supposed to be strong in our faith. The Bible tells us to be strong and courageous. We need strength to stand out in a culture that is really, in a way like we've never seen before, attacking the very tenets of our faith. And we got to make sure that as Christians, we don't develop a, a victim mentality. I do feel that Christians are very scorned in the day that we live in. I feel like people are definitely coming after Christian principles and attacking the foundations of the Bible, calling things in the Bible hateful, things of that nature. But we got to make sure that we don't develop a, a victim mentality, say, oh, well, people are so Christophobic. And, and we don't build our, uh, the tenets of who we are on the idea that everyone is so afraid of us, they're against us. I feel like that's a weak position, and here's why. To build any philosophy or worldview or movement based on how many people hate you is just weakness. I think that Jesus, in fact, warned us. I mean, if you're, if you're upset about the fact that people don't like us, maybe you didn't read the fine print. Because Jesus guaranteed us. He said, you will be hated for my, my name's sake. He said, your, your mother and father are going to turn away from me. I'm going to break up families. I didn't come to bring peace. He said, I call, came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. He's saying that this message is going to divide people. So if you're here today and you're just looking for something that can make you more successful on your job, that a little bit of Jesus is going to get you a promotion or a little bit of Jesus is going to get you more friends, it's really, it works the opposite way sometimes. When you get this message in your life, a lot of times things start falling apart. But we have a promise that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. The kingdom that we're talking about here, Luke 17, when they were asking, well, where is it? If you're a king and you came to be our king, where are the armies? Where's the kingdom? And he goes, actually, it's here right now. And look at someone next to you and say, it's here right now. I know that is so hard to believe, but it is. Faithful giver, believe it today. Faithful sower of seed, it's here today. Faithful mom, faithful dad that have prayed over your kids for years and you do not see the results yet, believe it. Even though it's hard to believe, you believe it. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they shall go and that when they grow old, they will not depart from it. The kingdom is what Pastor Anthony was, was talking about. It's sowing seeds. And we see things in faith. That's why Jesus says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. What is he talking about? He's talking about reaping it in this life, but also in the kingdom life. In the spiritual realm, if you sow ungodly seed, you will reap an ungodly harvest. But if you sow kingdom seed in your life, you will see kingdom things sprouting up all around you. The kingdom is here today. He's not sending anyone else. The only way into the kingdom is to be born again. The upside down kingdom of this world is about to fall. Daniel chapter five tells this story 
of one of the worst cultures on the planet that is literally against God in every possible way, the Babylonian culture. They're making fun of God. They're taking holy things and literally making a mockery and a joke, things that belong in the temple. They're getting drunk on items that are from the temple and just concubines, prostitutes, and multiple wives laughing, spitting in the face of God, which is what our culture is doing right now. A literal hand comes into the room and writes on the wall three things. An actual hand in front of this king says, number one, you have limited time. That's scary. Number two, you have no value. You're worthless. And number three, you have no legacy, no longevity. That's what's happening to culture right now is God, the writing. Look at someone next to you say the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall for culture. And this collision is about to take place. Which kingdom are you going to be on a part of? Which kingdom are you going to be fighting for? I want to be on the side of heaven today. I want to make sure that not only is my confession and profession that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I want to make sure that he is my king as well. That he is the monarch of my life. His decision. I serve him as a faithful citizen. Somebody put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a citizen of heaven. He didn't just save us to bring us to heaven. He saved us to bring heaven to earth through us. Come on, somebody say amen today. Amen. I want to build this up to the story of the, of the triumphal entry for, for Palm Sunday. And, and, and I hope that you get little hints of, of what he said all along the way. Jesus preached primarily about the kingdom of God in Luke 4. 43, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's, when, by the way, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven is literally referring to the physical place where God resides. The principles and the things of the kingdom of heaven are supposed to be seen in the kingdom of God here on earth. Does that make sense to everyone? So the kingdom of heaven is where he is right now. And so when Jesus is referring to the kingdom of heaven, he's saying the way it is there, it should be that way here. So when he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. He says that his mission is to proclaim the what? Come on, guys, to proclaim the what? The kingdom. To proclaim the kingdom. He said, that's why I was sent. Matthew 16 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says in Matthew 16, I tell you, some are standing here will not taste of death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 13, he says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Matthew 13, 19 says, whenever anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the scene sown along the path. All these references to the kingdom. We're landing this series on kingdoms collide with the ultimate example of a king that is coming into his ordination as king and to his ceremony as king in every possible way. Two kingdoms colliding. 
Matthew chapter 21. It says, as, Jesus, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Okay, so the next verse is really important. Why is Jesus telling his disciples to go get a donkey? He's at the end of his earthly ministry. Everything has been building up to this climactic thing. I'm going to read in just a moment from Luke chapter 18, where he's prophesying again right before this happens, his own death. He knows that he's about to declare himself king, which is going to put the religious people over the top. They're going to murder him. So all this stuff is coming to a head. And it says, verse four says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this is so important. If we're going to get anything out of today, Palm Sunday, it's that when Jesus decided to tell his disciples, go get that donkey, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem on the donkey. Everyone knew the Old Testament. They knew that prophecy. It had been around for hundreds of years. Whoever rides in that gate on a donkey is declaring that they are king. So Jesus was basically saying, I am tired of playing the game. I'm tired of people just trying to figure out, oh, what do I think about Jesus? Do I, do I like it? And that's why it's really weird when a lot of people from other religions say, yeah, Jesus was a great guy. Really? If he's not the Messiah, he's the worst guy ever. Because he told us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to the Father. If he, I mean, C.S. Lewis said that you have to call him Lord or lunatic. There's really only two. It's, it's very binary. And in this situation, as Jesus chooses to ride in on this donkey, by the way, he comes back in the book of Revelation. A donkey is a symbol of a servant, but a horse is a symbol of war. In the book of Revelation, when he comes back the next time, he's coming back on a white horse. So the first time he comes, he says, I'm going to show you what a servant king looks like. I'm going to show you what, a, what, what, what humility actually looks like. I could come in any way I want, but I'm choosing to come in on this donkey to fulfill scripture and to let you know that I've been here the whole time and I am the king. And by coming in on that horse, what he is saying to the culture is either crown me or kill me. It's what he's saying to me and you today. It's going to be tough, but look at someone next to you say, crown him or kill him. I know that's a hard thing to say. Heavy words. Heavy words. To say, crown him or kill him. But he's saying, let me tell you something, baby. There's only one throne on your heart. Only one. You got to decide, do you want to sit there and try to order me around? Or do you want to give me my spot and let me tell you what to do? Because I think there's a lot of people that want to sit on the throne, but we want Jesus running around serving us. See, it says they brought the donkey and placed their cokes, cloaks on them. Their cokes, wow. They're 
At least they don't like Pepsi. Um, they brought the donkey and their cokes, and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, now this is important, Jesus sent them to Bethphage to get this donkey. This area that he was sending them was a place that had already seen incredible miracles by Jesus. They knew of his power. They knew he was supernatural. They, they knew, he knew that they would worship him. So Jesus arranged this. This wasn't something where all these people just, you know, just happened to see and go, oh, yeah, he's the king. No, they, they actually followed and went. He knew that when they got that donkey, and what's that donkey for? Oh, yeah, the, Jesus asked for this. He says, tell him, tell him that the, by the way, when he said, if anyone asks you why you're taking this, tell him that the master needs it. That particular word that is used for master has multiple meanings in the Greek. One of them means kind of like the Lord of the house or something like that. But one of them is the highest level possible king. And the way he used it was that highest level. So he's saying, you tell him that the king needs it. So when people heard that, they, I mean, they just started following. Everybody wants to see what's going on. So it says they, they put their cloaks down. The crowd is around. They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus enters Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus, no, but now by the way, at this time, this happens to be occurring during Passover. And Passover is one of the three major feasts where you had to come to Jerusalem if you were a Jew and you had to celebrate three times a year at these feasts. So people would come back on pilgrimages from any city that they could travel and make that trip. They would come back every year for Passover. It was the most important one celebrating God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Uh, from from the, the 10 plagues and from the angel of death by putting the blood on the doorposts of their home. That's what Passover was, a huge celebration. So the, everyone is there. It's very dramatic. Also, let's not forget that Jerusalem is being occupied by Rome. So Rome is, is in control of this other culture where they're kind of letting the religious leaders do things, but it's got rulers of Rome there. And it's, it's really like politically charged they hate Rome, Rome hates them, and everybody hates Jesus. So Jesus is coming right in the middle of all this stuff and saying, oh, this is a great time for me to declare myself king. So everything is just explosive right now. So look, look what he does. By the way, uh, let's not forget, too, there's just so much. I, could, I, I mean, we could go on and on forever. But let's not forget, recently he had just raised Lazarus from the dead, which... That really was the final linchpin. It's, it's like, once you do that, it's like you can do some stuff. You could claim, oh, well, you know, he healed this guy. You know, maybe he wasn't really completely crippled or maybe he wasn't completely deaf. or something. I don't know. You could come up with all kinds of stuff. But when a guy's dead and he's rotting in his tomb for days and everybody knows it and he's dead and Jesus comes as Lazarus come forth, they're like, we got to kill this Jesus guy. He, we can't argue with this anymore. I mean, it just was over the top. So all this is just, I'm just trying to just set the tone for everything being like so uh, explosive. And it says right after this, he, he, he rides in and, and basically says, you know, does the most blasphemous thing to people that don't think he's the king, fulfilling scripture. Then he goes right to the temple courts. 
And what, what is the significance of this? During Passover, you would come and buy an animal to make atonement for your sins and your family. And outside the temple courts, a lot of people had come selling animals and birds and things that were uh, for, for sacrifices, and they were charging exponentially more than they were worth. So the poor people that were coming and genuinely trying to do something for, to God were having to pay double, quadruple, ten times more than they needed to pay by these people that were ripping them off right in the temple court. So Jesus goes directly to those people right after he's ridden on this donkey. says he enters the temple courts, drives out all who were buying and selling there, flips over the tables, grabs a whip, becomes Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's like, get out. By the way, stop being so nice. Look at someone next to you. Say, stop being so nice. Now, now, before you punch someone, let me explain what that means. Be kind. Be good. Jesus was good and he was kind, but you won't find one scripture that ever says he was nice. When he encountered people that were evil, he called them a brood of vipers. He knew how to point out religiosity. He knew how to point out legalism. I think we spend too much time trying to be nice. We don't have to be nice. It's not nice to flip over tables. It's not nice to call out injustice and sinfulness. But we don't have to be nice. We have to be holy. we got to be faithful to what God has called us to be. So Jesus overturns the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he says, by the way, he's always quoting scripture. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. So, so not only that, then it, boom, he transitions to something else that's incendiary. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Blind. He's healing blind people that are from the temple that all the religious leaders see these blind people year after year after year. And now he's coming. It's like Bill, who's been there for 25 years. He's blind. And all these religious leaders that see him all the time, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, Bill, remember the blind guy? Boom. He can see now. What are you going to say about that? It just basically puts them over the top. They literally say to each other, we have to kill him. He is making us look like idiots. They can't take it anymore. What happens next? It just, it just keep, it keeps ramping up and ramping up. And the chief priests see him heal Bill, and they can't handle that they, he's healed Bill. And now it's ramping up and ramping up, and the tension is getting higher and higher. Now a bunch of kids start coming around Jesus and going, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. And they're just praising Jesus, calling him the son of David. I don't know if that's the exact song, but it probably would sing pretty well no matter who you are. But son of David is the name that was reserved for the Messiah. Little children are recognizing his power. He is the Messiah. How I wish that we could have the heart of a child. Jesus said that if you don't act like a child and come to me as a child, you won't even enter the kingdom. They didn't need a theological course to know that Jesus was the Messiah. They just started praising him, and the religious people could not stand it. They said, do you hear what these children are saying? I like how he responds. Yes. He goes, have you never read? What does he do? He quotes scripture again. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city. 
where he spent the night. What a beautiful week Holy Week is. Today, Palm Sunday, when you look at Maundy Thursday, and I really encourage everyone here today to go to col.tv slash Maundy to download the materials on Thursday. Maundy is the Latin word for mandate. And when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and commissioned them to go out and to love people and to serve people, it's a beautiful ceremony. It's a beautiful thing to do. It, it sounds strange if you're not familiar with it, but that's why we're trying to explain it a bit. It's a way to celebrate Good Friday, which I encourage you, even if you've been to every Good Friday service we've done, or if you've never been to a Good Friday service, come to this one this Friday night. Good Friday is a day that we contemplate the cross. We need this week. As Christians, we need the rhythm of Easter and Christmas in our life to offset the pace of life, or we just start getting used to the way things are. We need to be reminded of what the cross costs. We need to be reminded of the beauty of Advent, of a Savior coming to us. This is all a part of it. During this week, we celebrate this Friday night. We are going to come in here and talk about the cross. You'll notice when you come here on Friday night, there will not be a lot of praise songs. It's a service that is very thought-provoking. It's a service where we take time to look in. We take time to look at the cross and to analyze why he went through what he went through. It's a completely separate service. And then you have Saturday, this holy Saturday. That's the day that Jesus was in the grave. And we have Easter Sunday, next Sunday, where we will celebrate his resurrection. And I think that this whole Jesus entering on Palm Sunday is one of those things that Everyone's expectation was for a king that would come fix everything immediately. That's not what Jesus is offering even us today. He fixes the most important things. What is the most important thing? That we're lost. We're sinners in need of a savior. That we put our faith in Jesus. We have eternal life. That we start building our life on the foundation that is Jesus. On the principles that, that, that Jesus represents. That's what kingdom life actually looks like. And I think a lot of people in this story were very disappointed that they didn't get the kind of king they wanted. They didn't think it was the king that was advertised. You ever had something that failed to live up to your expectation? You guys remember when that Popeye's chicken sandwich was really big a few years ago? <laughs> I just remember everyone was like going off about the Popeye's. It's like, I love chicken sandwiches. So I'm seeing all, they're like, Man, sitting in line, it's only one more hour till I get my sandwich. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go get in line right, right now. Like I said, man, I had it. It's all right. You know, it's, it's not bad. I mean, I, I like almost any chicken sandwich, but I don't think it's like worth that. So I think, I th I think the, the, the level went down a little bit. My expectations were here. Same kind of thing with Jesus. When Jesus was talking about being the son of God, everyone thought that meant that he was coming to take over the government. And that his army was somewhere, was going to come and just abolish Rome. And Israel was going to start ruling. And we're looking for someone that brings us the kind of power in this life where everyone that opposes us will be crushed. And we will be able to have a life that's free of sin and pain and all that. That's, that's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is here on this earth where his principles are all around us at all times. But yet we still have some struggles and some, some pain and some problems. In this world that we live in. And, and, and don't be disappointed just because it's not what you were expecting. You know, he's not the king that we wanted, but he's the king that we need. 
So as this is, you know, I, I love this. I told you I was going to read out of Luke 18, and I will, because this is what happens right before he, he declares himself king through the triumphal entry. Luke 18, and I think this is also important because someone else calls him this holy name and he doesn't correct them. That's how you know it's ramping up. Uh, it says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, listen how clear he is with what he says, yet they don't understand. He says, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled. Listen to this. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him. I'm going to see what's up there. Read this with me. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Read it with me. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. Keep going. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. This is what Jesus said about himself right before it happened. And do you know what? It's like when God says, you know, when God gives us his promises, when he says no weapon formed against you, you're prosperous, we go, I wonder what that means. It means no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. And what they're doing here with Jesus is they're going, Let's see, when he says that he's going to they'll be delivered to the Gentiles, they'll mock him. I wonder what mock him actually means. I wonder what spit on him means. Certainly, they're not going to actually spit on him. I wonder what kill him means. You know, it's like they go through all the, and he's just telling them the clearest, it's the clearest prophetic thing that you could imagine. He says exactly what's going to happen to him, but it says the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them. They didn't know what he was talking about. So right after Jesus says this thing that's about to happen, it's followed up by something where the tone of the gospel changes. And it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, and in Jericho, he was going to meet Zacchaeus, which was like right before all this happened. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This phrase, son of David, had nothing to do with the lineage of Christ in terms of genealogy. It had nothing to do with his family line. This was the name that was reserved for the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one, the one that Israel had been waiting for. You only called somebody that if they were the Messiah. It's not a name that you throw around. If you call somebody this name and you're not that person, you better reject them for calling you that. But in this particular case, he calls him son of David and they try to quiet him. Why? You call him son of David. And he just says it even louder and even louder. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, he didn't say, stop calling me that. Do you know what he said? What do you want me to do for you? He's like, yeah, you call me by the right name. Now, what do you want me to do for you? And it's beautiful. He, he proceeds to heal this man. He's blind and he receives his sight and follows Jesus, praising God. I wanted to share that. 
little exchange right there because this is what happens right before Jesus goes through the temple gate on Palm Sunday and declares himself king. He sets it up all up. He lets people know, here's what's coming. Here's what's going to happen. I'm about to declare myself king. It's about to get less comfortable for you. Look at someone next to you and say, it's about to get less comfortable for you. This is what, ha- we're not going to like turn the heater on or something in here. I'm, I'm talking spiritually. Uh, this is what happens when we truly decide to crown him or kill him. Because if we want Jesus just to be some, somebody that we plug into our life to be a little happier, we haven't crowned him. We've just made him our buddy. That's not, he, he, won't, he won't be that. It, it is binary. You got to make a choice. That's what Palm Sunday is about today. Palm Sunday is, and, and also as Pastor Amy mentioned, it's not simply about picking up that branch and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's making sure that that doesn't turn into the crucify him a few days later. It's saying, I crown you, Lord. Your kingdom is what's important to me. I want to live for you every day in everything I do, and I don't care who likes it or doesn't like it. It's not what they think about me. It's about what you think about me when I stand before you. Every single person will give an account of their life before Christ. There will be absolutely no excuse when I stand before God. There will be no ability to use a victim status, to blame anybody else. You're not allowed to bring anybody with you. You stand alone before him, and you are accountable for your own actions. Your response to what happened to you is what is the most important thing to Jesus. That's why crowning him, letting him love us, letting him heal us from the inside out is so important. Standing for his ways and his kingdom is so important today. Making sure that we're a part of that group that is picking up the branches and somebody just say Hosanna today. Hosanna. Come on, say, blessed is, he blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Doesn't that feel good today? Just say Hosanna. I want to be the one that is blessing him today. I want to be the one that is honoring him today. I want to be the one that's lifting him up today. I want to be the one that he says, hey, go get this Go get this donkey. I'm going to say, okay, let me go. The guy says, why does he want it? Well, the Lord has need of it. And I'm just kind of in awe that, man, this is actually happening right now. You know, when all this stuff comes to a climax, it comes to a head, I want to be the guy that's right there with him. I don't want to be the one that flakes out at the last minute. Come on, guys. Culture is colliding with the kingdom right now. What side are you on? Are you going to be on the side of life or death? Are you going to be on the side of hope or brokenness? I promise you, you're going to lose some Facebook friends. You're going to get unfollowed by a lot of people when you begin to stand for the things of the kingdom. But you know what? God is always going to bring the right followers into your life. I'd rather have the right followers than the wrong ones. I think it's important sometimes for us to unfollow the wrong people. We need to unfollow the wrong people and begin to follow the right people that God has called us to follow. So... Today is about making Jesus our boss. (laughs) It's about making him that monarch of our life and 
caring about his ways a lot more than caring about our ways. It's about admitting that he's not the king that we wanted, but he's the king that we needed. The word Hosanna is the Hebrew word Hoshia Na, which means Hoshia means save and Na means now. Save me now. Somebody say, save me now. Do you know that that is a phrase that is not a phrase of worship traditionally in Hebrew culture? It's something that you say when you're drowning. When you're in peril, Hosanna is the phrase that you yelled out when you needed someone to help you. I want that to be my praise word today. To, to my king. That's, that's what they said to their king. They were actually saying, save me now from a broken culture. Save me now from Rome. Save me now from people that don't appreciate your ways. Save me now from my own broken way of thinking. I respect you. I honor you as king. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name. Does that make sense? When you're saying, I need you to be my king, and I'm going to be the one that's blessed because I'm going to come in your name. I am becoming the emissary of God, sent out to colonize all of the spiritual territory. What is colonization? It is taking the principles of one culture and one kingdom to another and enforcing them. Not a very popular word, but spiritually, that's exactly what Jesus has called us to do. Spiritually with culture is to take his principles and implement them in the world around us. And that's what this day is all about. It's people who are laying down their principles, laying down their rights, crying out for help to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Will you accept this humble King that's coming through the gate on a donkey today? most of us want a king that rides on a horse. I just, I encourage you today. Accept this king that comes. I mean, hey, I told you he wasn't going to return on a donkey, so I better read Revelation chapter 19 because it says, I saw heaven standing open and there was before me a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice and ju he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the Jesus that we serve today. When he rode in that city, he rode in on a donkey as a servant, but he returns as a conquering king to wage war on the enemy and anyone that opposes his kingdom. Get in while the getting's good, right? 
That's the whole point of what kingdom life looks like, is when God says, you trusted me when you couldn't see, and you're gonna be honored when everyone sees. See, anybody can trust in something that you see. When, when, when Jesus rolls up with the you know, millions of angel armies and billions of redeemed saints someday, and you see that army standing there, everyone on the other side is gonna say, oh, I believe now. No, no, no. Get in while the getting's good. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. It means people so desperately want this message that they are charging the kingdom, wanting entrance, and you can only enter one way. You have to be born again. You gotta know Jesus. So my invitation to you today, if you're watching online, if you're in this room, is make Jesus your Lord today. Could we do something? Half the room is standing. Could the rest of the room just stand so we can all be in solidarity today as a church in the same spirit in one accord? There's power in that today. So I'm gonna ask if you're here today, if everyone could bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, bow your heads, close your eyes today. And if you do not know the Lord, I'm gonna give you this opportunity right now on Palm Sunday to crown him as king, to move off the throne of your heart and to give him the space that is reserved for him and only him. If you've been allowing him in your court, that you've been demanding that he serve you, that's not Jesus that's in there. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. You may call him Jesus, but that's not Jesus because Jesus will only occupy the throne if it's given to him. Today, you must repent of your sin. You must turn away from a wicked life that tries to create rules of your own and a law of your own. And you got to say, I submit to your ways. Even if I don't understand them, I submit. Submit your heart and your soul to God. The Holy Spirit will come in today into your life. The Bible says that he will take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. David said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Restore the joy of thy salvation. I believe today is a day that you can have joy overflowing out of your heart for the salvation that you can find in only Jesus. So if that's you, no one's looking around. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand straight up over your head. Those that are watching online, I'll ask you just to lift your hand wherever you are. But specifically after you're done with that, could you type in the chat, I'm lifting my hand. Let our team know I need Jesus. They want to pray with you and connect with you today. It's a powerful testimony as well. So on three in this room, everyone lift your hand. You need Jesus to become the Lord of your life. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit with this very moment. Three, hands lifted all over the room if that's you. That's hands going up in every single section all over this room. That is dozens and dozens of people today all over this room. It's actually incredible. It looks like a blink altar call here today. That's unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, you love these people so much. Lord, you love them so much. There's such purpose and destiny. I believe there's people online lifting their hands too. God, move in their heart, move in their life today. Could we pray this prayer out loud together? Say, I ask you, Lord, to change me from the inside out. Thank you for declaring yourself King of kings and Lord of lords. I pick up my palm branch today and I say, Hosanna, save me now. I have gratitude that I don't have to wait. Today is my day of salvation. 
You took my sins to the cross and you died and were buried. My sins stay buried, but you rose again and gave me new life. Today, that new life begins in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, could we give God a great praise today on Palm Sunday? This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.